0: Welcome back to the Two Fish Podcast. My name is Nick. I am Aaron. And this week on the show, we're going to be diving into 1 Peter chapter 1, talking are we living holy lives?
1: That's right. Join us in 1 Peter. Get your Bibles out. Go to 1 Peter. We will be just in chapter 1 and talking about are we living holy lives? That is what this chapter is really talking about. Are we living holy lives, seeking uh, the ability to live a holy life that we're called to live?
0: Yeah, and and the way this study is going to go is pretty much the same way as we did the study of James. If you haven't listened to that, go back in our list of episodes. You can find that at TwoFishPodcast.com or wherever you listen to this. It should be on there. But um, we're going to read through it, and then we're going to go back and do a couple verses at a time and just kind of talk about it. So I guess let's start in Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded with the faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by the various trials, so that the testing genius of your faith, more precious than gold that that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible And filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look.
1: Verse 13, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you.
0: Nice. There we go. Chapter 1 is in the books. Um, Let's just start off, I guess, at the beginning. Um, The first two verses are basically Peter introducing himself. Um, He's an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he's writing this letter. Um, first Peter, and he writes then Second Peter. And just as I guess background at the beginning, he wrote this around sixty-four AD. And the reason of that importance is during that time, that is when Nero, the Emperor of Rome, is going hardcore persecution against the Christians that are in that area. It's said that he lit Rome on fire because he wanted to rebuild Rome and make it updated. He lit it on fire and let it burn down. I guess it burned for like six or seven days and he did nothing to stop the fires. And then he turned around and blamed the Christians on it. And so when he's going to talk about trials here in first Peter, and he's going to talk about persecution, that's because they're being persecuted. And I like at the very beginning here, he says to the elect exiles of the dispersion. And I think he's talking, he could be talking to Jews. He could be talking to Gentiles, but they're dispersed. They're like running for fear of persecution, because Nero is literally taking, I, guess, I don't know if you knew this, Aaron, the, the term Roman candles. Do you know where that comes from? No. During this time, Nero would collect Christians, he would tar them, and then for parties outside in his gardens, he would light Christians on fire for light, to light up the courtyard. And they call that Roman, that's where the term Roman candles comes from. He was a, he was a pretty extreme dude. And so this is the kind of persecution. Sometimes we talk about being persecuted here as Christians, especially in America, that's laughable because none of us are being persecuted like Peter is writing here. And so in the beginning, what he's doing is he's saying, okay, to everyone who's been, who's running away and hiding and all that stuff, he's saying, Hey, I'm Peter. I'm writing to you. My grace and peace be multiplied to you. So the first couple of verses are an introduction. And so that's just kind of some history as to where we're sitting in time here when he writes this Um, verse three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by god's power are being guarded with faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time so those couple verses there, I mean, when I'm getting out of this, when I read it, the very first thing right off the bat, he says, Hey, I'm Peter. Blessed be the God and father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Before anything, he goes into blessing God, to thanking God, to praising God. Like that's his first go-to. He doesn't need to do that. They're being literally being persecuted. And he's saying, Hey, first and foremost, blessings to God.
1: Yeah. And we're, we're told to pray that way. Give thanks first and then ask or whatever you think you need. So that, that's really powerful. That and I think that's how Peter opens up a lot of his letters or a lot of the even a lot of the other apostles that's how they op- that's how the beginning of the letter was. It was always pointing to God right away. I think we struggle with that now. We've we've dumbed that down. Yeah, we've dumbed it down. Yeah. We we immediately go to what I need, which is a a pride issue and a self-centered focus.
0: Turning God into a genie. Yeah. Um, according to his great mercy, it says we've been born again. That's that's you know pointing to our salvation through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there again, reiterating the fact that in his letter to these to these early Christians, Jesus was resurrected. Whatever may have been said since then, maybe false teachers are starting to get in the church. Some of the books talk about that. He was resurrected. Jesus was resurrected, and that is the reason we have an inheritance in the future. Uh, verse four, it says it's an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled like most of the inheritances you think of nowadays are not like that it's either money or worldly assets but that can all go away in a second
1: yeah those are all worldly things that we and i think we'll get into that a little further down here that we we shouldn't hang on to and we shouldn't put them on such a pedestal uh one thing i like here verse five who through your faith are shielded by god's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So that kind of takes me back to the armor of God. Mm. God is the, the shield of faith, right? Yeah. We got to have that shield and that that is God. We, faith in what God is going to do. He's going to protect you from the fiery arrows of the in, enemy, but you got to have that hope in him. And I think that's part of what Pierre's pointing to here is having that, that hope in God and knowing what he's going to do even in a time of persecution,
0: which would be a time of trial. I, I like that. Again, Aaron and I read from two different versions of the Bible. I didn't think of it like that because my Bible doesn't say that. Mine says God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed. So he's gar- it's like he's got it in heaven and he's gardening it for you. He's holding it for you. And I like both of those interpretations of reading through it. And that's, that's one of the reasons we love doing these Bible studies is we can talk through it together, but mine says guarded. It's like, it's like he's holding it up there and he's guarding it for us because Lord knows if I had it here on earth, I'd probably lose it. That's just me. Like, <laughs> I don't know how many things I've lost over right. the years that could have been important, but I just misplaced him. No, God's holding on to it. God's guarding it. God's using a shield like you talked about with the arrows. It's going to be there. He's holding on to it. We've accepted his salvation, and it's going to be there waiting for, it says, the last time. Verse 6, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genius of your faith, more precious than gold that purifies through it, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ.
1: So this is an area that when we were studying this, Nick and I were discussing, and this is where I kind of got hung up. We are to expect this section, which is telling us we're going to have trials, and we should rejoice in that because it's going to refine us. It's like refining gold, and what happens with gold to get the pure gold You end up throwing it in a fire and burning off the impurities. That is what Peter is telling us right here. You should expect trials. Yeah, You should have trials in your life, but you should be using the wisdom and knowledge of God to get through those trials so you come out on the other side pure, more holy. God's already gave us a, a level of holiness, right? We are holy people as Christians but we're constantly being refined. And if you don't feel like you're being refined, there might be an issue there.
0: I like the way you said that, the the expectation of trials. Um, I, I love Christians, especially new Christians, I think think that, oh, I became a Christian. Now life's going to be good. Life's going to be easy. But it's actually quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite. I mean, you think of Paul, the apostle Paul, it used to be Saul. God met him on the road to Damascus. The rest of his life, he was in and out of prison, being beaten, being tortured, being homeless, walking around, like always constantly wondering, wandering. You look at Peter. uh, Peter was the same way. He denied. He was thrown in prison. He spoke. He was thrown in prison. Like these apostles, all but John were martyred. All the apostles, except for John, were martyred for their faith because of their faith. Right. Being a Christian isn't going to be easy.
1: It's not going to be a cakewalk. It shouldn't be a cakewalk. The way I read this is it shouldn't be easy because you should be refining
0: yourself. Yeah. And I think if it is, like you said, maybe something's wrong, but also I think culturally here in America, at least in the past years, it's been looked upon as an okay thing, but other countries it's not. And they are being persecuted. And I think probably eventually that's going to come over here too. In America, we're going to be actually persecuted for being Christians, but in that we should rejoice. That sounds so weird to say, but in this rejoice.
1: In that moment, there's going to be a correction. We're going to get refined as Christians in America. So maybe just a little bit of a wake up call here that, Hey, we shouldn't be living so comfortably. Don't always sit in your
0: comfort, get out of your comfort zones. Yeah, that's good. Verse eight, though you have not seen him, you love him though. You do not see him. You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There he's talking about faith. You know, a lot of times it's hard to believe in something that you can't feel or touch or is not right in front of you. And he's saying through these trials, you're going to gain the faith that's going to make it easier. And maybe that's not the right word, but it's going to be easier because you're going to have grown that faith. You're going to have seen God move in those trials and in your life. And it's going to be easier. Though you can't see him, you believe in him. Though you cannot see him, you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Like, that's that refining. As you go through those trials, your faith is going to build.
1: I like that. It's not wrote to us, right? But we can put ourselves in that very easily because we can't see him. We can't put our hands on him like Peter and, you know, the other apostles could. Like, he was right there. And we can no longer do that. And that... That tangible thing is not there for us, but we can believe in what he did. Verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care. Verse 11, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories of That would follow. Verse 12 It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things.
0: Yeah, I think that goes directly with what you were saying. How, yes, Peter didn't necessarily write this to us here in 2022 but he did kind of because as he says the prophets before were always searching for when is the messiah coming when is the messiah coming and then finally the messiah comes and a lot of them didn't even believe it which is hilarious not hilarious but then peter's saying they did that for you so that once the messiah comes like you you know i think peter's kind of maybe slapping
1: the pharisees a little bit saying they've been seeking this all along right and they failed at finding the world's greatest thing that that walked, right? But we believe it, and we know it through our Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah, I th- and I think the reason that you, we can mock the Pharisees is because of the prophets, it says, did all this pre-work, and, the, and they should have known when the Messiah, when Jesus Christ came, they should have known, oh, man, this is exactly what the prophets did. And the prophets, it says, It was revealed to them, hey, it's not going to be you guys that get to see it. You're prophesying this for the future generations. And that even includes us. You know, he's come, and we're even in a better position than the Pharisees because we get to look back on the story of his resurrection. And, you know, we have the scriptures that say even how it's going to end in the future. But we get to look at that thing that the prophets didn't get to look at way back when. And it says even verse 12 even says at the end, The Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels even long to look. So angels even long to look at scripture and what we have here that we, the foreknowledge of what Christ is going to do. Verse 13, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who calls you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Let's stop right there. That, I mean, that's kind of the theme of that's the kind of the title of this episode is Christ has called us to be holy because he is holy. He wants us to live like him.
1: Yeah. And that's the challenge in there. Are you living a holy life, right? Is your mind fully sober set on the hope and the grace that is brought to you by Jesus Christ? And I think you had the word action in there. Like, are yeah. you putting this into action? This way of holiness. If you're a believer and you've you've had your moment and you've come to Christ, and there needs to be action going forward. It's not just showing up on Sunday, sitting in your pew, left section, row five, seat three, yeah. where Nick Burt always sits. Right. It's doing something with it throughout the
0: week as obedient children do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. So at former ignorance is pointing to as you're growing, as you're learning, as you're gaining, like Proverbs says, gaining wisdom as you're doing those things, don't keep going back to before. Like I like that. Mine says action because it's, it's, it's like a verb. This whole thing is like a verb. You got to continue to do it. It's an action saying, don't go back, continue to move forward. Verse 15. But as he who called you is holy pointing to Jesus, you also be holy in all your conduct. What is your say instead of all your conduct?
1: 15 says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you
0: do. Okay. And all you do in all your conduct. Yeah. I'm just basically saying the same thing there. Everything we should be looking ahead towards being better. Which is the ultimate? you know ultimately being holy like him,
1: yeah, I like I like how yours has conduct there the word action and conduct in in verse thirteen through sixteen those two words yeah would stick out to me more because how am I conducting my behaviors and what action am i doing
0: am yeah. i am I doing anything with it? you like it because the e s v is clearly the more superior
1: it's ES- translation is e s v or die <laughs> it's it's definitely not NIV. <laughs>
0: oh, that's funny. But,
1: no. I like NIV too, but this I read in multiple. i Yeah. You know, I have another Bible that I read in a lot. It's NLT, and then I
0: don't ever read in ASV, so well, you get it from me. I get it from you. Verse 17 and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that that you are ransomed for the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like the lamb without blemish or spot. Um, I think to me what that's saying there is the Father, God, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds. He's judging. He's a, he's a just judge. So as you sin, you're going to get judged on that. Okay? As is. Without Jesus Christ, he is impartial. When you do something wrong, you're going to reap the consequences of that. If a murderer goes into court, he is going to get death row, or he's going to get life in prison. That's what the judge is going to give him. That's fair. God is an impartial judge. And he's saying, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. And to me, that is while we're here. We're foreigners here. And when we become Christians, we become foreigners here in the world. This is not our home. We're in the world, but not of the world. We always say that. But the good thing then is it says in verse 18 and 19, but luckily though, you've been ransomed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So instead of you getting the punishment for all your sins, it's covered by the blood of Christ when he died on the cross for our sins and for our salvation. So that's the good thing. We need to live in fear of the sin and of the consequence in a way that we're not continuing to go back to our former ignorance, like it says a couple of verses ahead, but we're constantly moving towards holiness. But we don't have to live in fear at the same time because we know that through the blood of Christ, that slate of sin has been wiped clean.
1: I think that's really good, Nick. We are foreigners here. We don't belong in this world, and we don't need to cling to it like silver or gold, which are perishable things. What we need to cling to is our faith, our faith in heaven and in our eternal life. This world here is temporary, right? But we have, what's that example of the long rope? Like you can only see a small section of it, but it keeps going on forever. And that is what we need to cling on to Yeah, is our eternal life. This life here is temporary. It is a moment of time. It is a glimpse of time. And we need not to hang on to that, but hang on to the eternal life. That Christ has provided for us. Yeah, that's good. Verse 20, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Once again, that that is just pointing to God knew even before the creation of the world that he was going to have to sacrifice his son for our sake. He knew that before you and I walked this earth.
0: But he also knew that he was going to raise him from the dead. Yeah. That's what's awesome about it.
1: Verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of god
0: he continues to point out the differences between the things of god and the things of man in this world the perishable things and the imperishable things silver and gold yeah eventually they're going to perish they're not going to exist but faith in him and holiness in him will last for And our salvation earlier on is eternal it's unfading and undefiled and then it gives an example, which is from Isaiah verse 24, for all flesh is like grass and in all its glory, like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And that's a great example of, again, I, I almost, I spoke too soon the the comparing things of the world and the things of the flesh to the things of eternity, like the grass, that's eventually... Winter's going to come, it's going to go away, it's going to get covered up and die, but God's word remains forever.
1: That's really good. And that points to how are we going to live a holy life? Like, what are we going to cling to? Are we going to cling to these things of the world? or Are we going to cling to the eternal life that is promised to us that God knew that he was going to send his son to die on a cross long, long
0: before the creation of the world was even done? So I think kind of to tie this whole thought process together of chapter one here, like it says in our title, are we living holy lives verse 16 and maybe memorize this verse this week, but verse 16 says, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Are we living holy lives? Are we striving to be holy? Are we striving to put away our former ignorance and move into what he's got for us? read this chapter over again this week as you're going through the week and then be back with us next week as we go into chapter two
1: thanks for tuning in this week if you enjoyed this episode hit those like and subscribe buttons also head over to twofishpodcast.com to join the rest of the two fish community and all of our social media platforms